And now we've been uh, having this segment, we were calling it Gentrification Files. And I had the opportunity to speak with um, someone by the name of Hemina Garnica about a little considered aspect of gentrification, which is the ways in which artists and culture are being pushed out of a city that used to be considered the mecca of art and culture. Zemina uh, Gar- Garnica is a multidisciplinary artist living and working in Williamsburg, and she works in the visual and the performing arts. She's a loft tenant um, with her partner, who is also an artist, and I know I'm going to butcher the name, but it's uh, Shige Moria, and um, I had the opportunity to talk to her about this thing called the New York City Loft Law. Good morning, Pam. Thank you so much for having me, and um, yeah, thank you for raising awareness about the, the loft law. Most people don't really know about the loft law, and we can get into into that. But maybe you can share a little bit about your personal situation. I know that you're an artist, and you've been living in Williamsburg for quite some time. Maybe you can start there. Um, sure. Um, I am an artist, a choreographer. I do work in, for the stage, and I also do visual artwork, and I have been working with my partner, Shige Morilla, for the past 17 years. And uh, he moved to Williamsburg in 1996 um, to a garage space um, that uh, had been converted to be a live work space. So since 1996, he's been living um, here, and I have been living here since, like, 2004. Um, and it's a live work space, like uh, the famous loft space in the city. Um, going back a little beyond the history of the loft law, the loft law was passed in 1982. And um, if you, I wasn't here at that time, but what I have learned from all activists and other artists, at the time there was a lot of manufactured spaces that had been uh, left abandoned. And a lot of artists came to these empty, huge spaces that were usually in terrible conditions, and they rent them out from the landlords, and the landlords was happy that somebody wanted to be in those spaces because nobody else wanted those spaces. And the artists made their spaces their homes and built loft beds and put kitchens up and uh, ended up having their studios and their living quarters in the same space. And that's when um, suddenly we, the, the city realized um, that this was happening, and a lot of these artists were being suddenly kicked out of the spaces from these landlords. And they organized, and I believe they made something that um, called the Lower Manhattan Loft Tenants Association at that time. And they fought a lot, and finally, I think they fought since the late 70s, and finally in 1982, they got the Loft Law passed, and it was a way to protect them. They were residential tenants of commercial buildings, and the idea that was that this loft law will become a path to legalize these places that were illegally rented by the landlord to them and that they were illegally living. Everybody was involved in an illegal situation. Landlords knew, tenants knew, and the idea that, that through this law we will legalize this situation. So then the places start a, a, a process of um, updating whatever needs to be updated to be up to code, to have a safe uh, status, and it will protect the tenants from evictions and gain the right to have their homes brought up to code and become rent stabilized eventually once their space will receive a certificate of occupancy. So that's a little bit of the background of the law. 
and that's then great background. Thank you. Now, how has the law affected you personally? Uh, well, it affected me because I learned about this. We learned about this love law in 2000, late 2013, and uh, we were really busy. And the law was supposed to have a deadline to apply, and we almost missed the deadline. But finally, they extended, and then the application was the deadline. I believe was 2014 March. And uh, we 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 find out about it like just few means few months before, and we decide okay, um, the neighbors decide to have a meeting and apply together, um, and we we just thought that this was the right thing to do. Our um, our space didn't have a certificate of occupancy, which we didn't know, and um, and um, we apply, and uh, our landlord. Um, start to contest our application. So it was a process. It has been a process of three and a half years that um, we have been going to something called oath. It's sort of like a trial, um, but it's at oath, they call it. And you have to, like, prove that you have been living in the space. There is certain eligibility um, checklist that you have to have in order to be covered by the law. So we went through all that process. And at the end, what ended up happening, oh, the case I have to say is pending. So I can only say that it's to be decided what is yet to happen. Um, but what is really being a very obstructive part in our case is that um, there is something about a window that every space who wants to apply to be covered by the love love has to have a window opening onto a street or a local courtyard. In our case, our windows open to a street. However, they are on a wall that is not completely flush to the street. And through all these technicalities, they're just trying to say that our windows don't count, which, if you can imagine, is a little bit absurd because the whole point is that you have enough air and enough light, and our unit has the potential to have enough air and enough light. And where all this absurdity come from? It comes from, from 2010 when Bloomberg at that time um, changed, amend the law. And we believe the law was amended to really limit the amount of people that could be covered. So he put a deadline to the application. He included exclusions such as um, having to have a window. Basements, for example, are ineligible right now. And if you think about it, how many basements, legal basements, units exist in the city, as a living spaces, there are so many people who live in basements and they are legal, but somehow love law basements are not. You cannot mm. have a basement and be covered by the love law. So this is exclude a tons of people. There is also something called the youth groups that he also puts in, um, where a lot of places get disqualified because there is maybe a carpenter shop in the first floor. And if you think about New York City, I mean, how many residential buildings have business in the first floor? Mm. And as long as their safety codes are followed, they shouldn't be disqualified. They're still humans who have their homes up there. Um, and then he also have a very specific eligibility period. Like you have to have been living there during the window period of 2008 to 2009, um, and you have to prove that. But think about the people who moved to these spaces in 2013, 14, 15, even 16. Um, they are still living in these illegal places and it's getting really hard for them to prove that somebody was living there 2008, 2009, because 
it's already seven years and all the records of tax and banks are, are no longer available. So all this to say that our case right now has been coming these various like legal battle where we have to spend a lot of money and time and energy because right now the law has this language that is exclusive and it doesn't follow the original intent of the law. Mm. Um, and we are trying to figure out um, how this law could have the intention that it used to have, which was a path to legalization, and that any problem that our units had, we will address those problems once our units are covered. And that's what we're trying to do right now in Albany. So, Hamina, let's get into into that piece. So, as I understand, um, you are personally fighting to get covered, but you're really also fighting on behalf of many people who uh, who should be covered because they actually have livable spaces, but this was sort of a gift that Bloomberg gave the landlords who were gentrifying neighborhoods by, frankly, moving artists in in the first place, right? And now he's, he's helped them starting in 2010 to get them out. You guys have decided to fight this at the political level. Let's hear about, about some of those efforts. There have been two sort of public actions that had happened. Uh, one was at the Love Board, and it was basically because we – we want them to study our cases. We also realize that there's a lot of things internally at the Love Board where cases are not properly studied or maybe they, there's so many pages, like my case is over a thousand pages and we wanted to make sure that they were having enough time to really read our case because our judge already have made mistakes in our, um, in, in our testimonies. So I think there was a public um, uh, uh, presence just to make mm-hmm. sure that our case was given proper time to be reviewed. That's what happened last month. And then we also had a rally in Greenpoint at the San Damiano Mission. It was attended over 250 people show up and several members of um, our representatives like Mr. Lentil, uh, Marisa Davila office, um, our council um, men, Stephen Levan, they, they all went there supporting um, the love law. We're calling it the cleanup bill. So now I'm going a little bit to explain about this cleanup bill, what we're trying to accomplish. Um, when, when I think for me personally, when I realized that this, is, this was absurd, that this is really unfair, that we might lose our home of 21 years because of these phrases that had been inserted there in 2010, um, that's when I say, okay, this is wrong. We really need to, I need to join whoever is working on this. And um, the New York City Love Tenants Group, um, they've been great. They, they are the ones who have managed to do some extensions in the past of the deadlines. And uh, we join forces with them, and more people are really coming on board. And what we're asking is very simple, is to remove the exclusionary language from the love law. We really need to repeal the window and basement exclusion. It should not be part of um, coverage. It should be part of legalization, means a unit should be able to be covered, and then any problem about light and air should be addressed later. 
they should repeal the June 15 application deadline. This is important also for people who are listening to these. There is an application deadline. It's June 15. If you live in a, in a place that you believe you can be covered, it is important uh, that you apply before June 15. We do want to change the law, but if it doesn't change, you're going to lose your chances. So we're asking to repeal that deadline. Repeal the youth group exclusions. This is the one that has to do with units that have um, uh, mixed use uh, in commercial spaces at the bottom or something like that. And then we also asking to update the eligibility period to 2015 to 2017, meaning that people should be able to prove residential occupancy during 2015 and 17 and not 2008, 2009 because it's just getting too much back. And then the next thing is the rent milestones and units per site make them permanent. Um, as the legalization process goes forward, um, tenants uh, uh, get an increase in their, in their rent. And w right now, the, those increases are going to go up if, if they don't become permanent. So we're trying to also keep those increases um, the way they are right now and don't have them sunset. So those are like the things that we mm -hmm. are asking. Now, just, yeah, I mean, I just want to ask, so there's an action on Wednesday, and that is in Albany. And what is the action about, and what do you hope to accomplish, and how can people join you? Um, so basically we have 11 days to get this bill drafted and passed. And we have um, some assembly members and some members from the Senate that have expressed their uh, support and that are currently working on drafting the bill. But we haven't seen this bill. And we really want to make sure that uh, the bill includes all the things we're asking for and that address all the issues we are, um, we're demanding. So this will be a press conference and also a protest to demand um, that all the issues um, should be addressed in the what we are calling the Love Law Cleanup Bill. And we are going to meet at the million dollar staircase uh, in the New York State Capitol at 3 p.m. on Wednesday. There is going to be two vans leaving Williamsburg at 7 a.m. And if anybody wants to um, jump into one of those vans, they are all welcome to come. And um, the idea is to make our presence heard there and hopefully get a bill number really soon. And as soon as we have a bill number, people can also make phone calls to their representatives and ask them to support that bill number. If people want to contact you and connect with some of these groups, how would they do that? I think there is two places where people can look at information online. One is the website, which is New York. Uh, I'm sorry, it's nyclovetenants.org, nyclovetenants.org. And then if they have Facebook, uh, probably this gets more updated, like in real time. Um, and our Facebook is uh, nyclovetenants, is at nyclovetenants. Um, and that's where they can see um, where they can call uh, who they can call, what they can say, where are the talking points, and if there is any other demonstration or public appearance, um, we create events, and that's how everything gets listed. Well, thank you once again for joining us today. 
Um, we're really looking forward to keeping in touch and seeing how this goes. Good luck tomorrow in Albany. Thank you so much, Pam. Thank you. Well, Michael, that was a really fascinating conversation about this little-known um, uh, part of mm-hmm. this gentrification process that's really, really impacting artists. And I just want to mention that Hamina um, Garnica is a very serious artist. In fact, uh, her work, which is part of, um, which is created in this live workspace, um, it is a, uh, the name of her company is the Lai May L E I M A Y Ensemble, and they're going to be premiering at BAM Fisher this coming September 14th through 17th, and tickets are uh, currently on sale. The name of their piece is Frantic Beauty. So it's not, this is actually a very interesting issue because even though we don't think that most New Yorkers would be affected, our cultural life in the city will definitely be affected by pushing all of the artists out. And these live workspaces were really originally for artists to create the work that we consider um, so much a part of New York City's cultural life. And how did we get to this stage anyway? Uh, that's the, the question. Uh, we see our city being taken away from us uh, bit by bit, borough by borough. And I, I must say, we on the morning show have been focusing on these issues. Certainly we cover international and national issues, but we definitely cover local issues here on this morning show and particularly our housing and what's going on all around our housing and living in this city we cover um, and try to cover as as best as we can with just the limitations of ourselves but we thank you so much for tuning in